Well, hello, Redeemer. You are in for a treat today. I am here with my dear friends, Tom. Josie can't be with us. Tom and Josie from the USA. Kev Lids can't be with us this evening uh, from Helsinki in Finland. And Roger and George, you can be with us, which is just superb. And Claire can't be here. She is looking after the kids right now, which we're super grateful for. Um, but in, as you're aware, this month we're talking about building strong and sending well. And the five of us on the screen and the others who can't be here, we're all part of the same local church for many, many years. In fact, until about seven years ago, we were all there. And in those last seven years, we've gone to different parts of the world. So I've got the privilege of chatting with dear friends and fellow pioneers today. And what we're going to be doing is sharing something of our journey so that you can be encouraged and equipped as a church as we look to build strong and send well. So we're just going to take a couple of minutes to introduce ourselves, first of all. So, Tom, why don't you kick us off and just take a couple of minutes, who you are, where your journey is now, and when Tom's done, Kev, and then Roger and George, over to you. Yeah, hi, guys. Uh, so it's Tom here. Uh, me and Beans, the dog, are at home in uh, San Francisco, where we now live, uh, married to Josie Shaw, some of you will know, uh, and three girls, Daisy, Lily and Poppy. So after 20 years in Canterbury, uh, we moved to America four years ago this summer. The last 18 months of that have been church planting in San Francisco. We've now had longer in, in lockdown living here in San Francisco, significantly longer than we have in normal world. Wow. So it has been, I mean, church planting in San Francisco in a pandemic you take your pick of any of, <laughs> any of those ingredients are not easy uh, but we are actually amidst lots of challenges we are genuinely really encouraged that God one day at a time is so faithful um, you know the whole thing of giving you enough like when Israel was in the de desert they weren't given a huge meal that lasted all the time they had every day daily provision enough I think as a quick summary, we're feeling like that. We're feeling that we are aware of humanly so many things that could be very discouraging and difficult, but somehow uh, God's kindness is sort of penetrating <laughs> that, um, that threatening mood uh, every day. And um, so we are a happy bunch. We're a happy family. And it's so great to be here today with these beautiful people who are some of my best friends in the world. Wow. Thanks, Tom. It's early in the morning for you, so I appreciate you being on the call with us, buddy. Kev. Hi, everyone. Uh, great, to, great to see you all tonight. And uh, really just want to send our greetings from uh, Helsinki in, in Finland. And we uh, arrived here, um, let's say, uh, about eight years ago. And uh, like the others, we were kind of part of the part of the same gang for many years uh, in in Canterbury and um, they um, eventually after after a long journey uh, were able to to help to to send us and uh, we arrived uh, here um, with with three kids and we've, we've now got four uh, Dolly's five years old so she was born here in Finland and um, we work uh, Lydia and I work as school teachers um, part-time so we job share and um, we we teach the same class but on different days so they've got 
Mrs. Jones and, and Mr. Jones. Um, and then part time, um, I'm working to uh, to help plant the church here. And uh, it's been a gradual, a gradual growth um, up here in um, in secular Scandinavia. Um, it's a, it's a slow process, and um, uh, as as is the challenge for many. Um, European church planters and uh, Tom was saying just before as well just how European San Francisco is so it's a slow process but uh, we're still here we're still doing well and uh, things are things are going well here. Thanks Kev I remember you passed by Redeemer I think in 2016 or 2017 and you brought us a prophetic word about a greenhouse uh, and that's really stuck with me. And uh, you've been such a blessing to us as well. But um, So well done. <laughs> Multiplying kids, you've got jobs and your church planting. Super. Rog and George. Yeah, so we are Rog and George Eaton. Uh, we are in Lille in the north of France. And uh, we moved from the City Church Canterbury uh, also. Uh, well, it was about seven years ago in 2013. Uh, almost eight years ago now, actually. Mm. Um, and yeah, it's been it's been quite a journey from first feeling called to French speaking nations when I was about 16. Uh, so it took kind of 16 years from that first sense of being called to, to actually uh, arriving in Lille. Um, but the call, you know, is continuing to be outworked. But we've we've resolved ourselves to settle down and, and do life well here as well as trying to plant churches. So we've we've got jobs. Uh, we've both been English teachers. George still. An English teacher. I worked in a marketing company, and and just recently have been released um, uh, full time for the church here, which is great and feels a bit beyond us because um, we're only small still, but feel uh, in faith it's the right step for this for this season. So that's that's kind of us. Great. And you guys have got two kids. Well, <laughs> got a family. <laughs> Forgot about them. We've got two kids. Miriam is nine. She'll be ten this year. And Victor is six, and we have a six-month-old dog called Chewy, Chewbacca. I thought you were going to say a six-month-old <laughs> seed in the way. I was like, no, we're putting in the oven. Our little Sophie has got a letter from Miriam, which is wonderful. So um, thank you for that. Um, and, of course, you kind of know our story, guys. We moved up to Colchester in 2015. Um, and I had the joy, the privilege and the pain a few years before that of sitting with Kevin Lids uh, in their final throes of kind of um, flying and driving across Europe, going to Helsinki with nowhere to really live or go and God providing. Um, and Rod was on staff when I was on staff at the City Church in Canterbury and as Tom was. And we had uh, the privilege of having some chats in the final throes there. And they've both been an encouragement and provocation to me having gone before. Um, and Tom was the team leader in Canterbury, and he was a great support and resource for us and has um, in many ways fathered myself and I'm sure all of us in many ways. So I, I, I may get slightly emotional at times because this is a very, very sweet and uh, exciting but reminding time as well. So, guys, as we as we look as a church to maybe become something of what, depending on what God has for us, what we experienced at a church that had a great building strong culture, but also sent well. Open question, fair game to anyone. When you look back now, whether it was with church planting in mind and going, or whether at that time you're thinking, I'm here for life. But what do you look back and think, 
the church and you built well. So how did you build strong as a person and your values and your culture and your discipleship or even reflections on the church, what the church did well to equip you? I'm sure there's lots that the church could have done more, but <laughs> let's just focus on what was helpful at this stage. So over to you guys. Any any thoughts? My, my initial, probably the biggest thing that's so obvious to probably all of us on this call, but we could, you know, we could forget but it's just worth saying right at the beginning, I think, is being very intentional in discipleship. Mm-hmm. So what we mean by that in this group is like particularly one-on-one or like real intimate, small, smaller setting than just a small group where you are, you know, it's like friendship, but it's like a bit supercharged. It's like we're going to meet intentionally. We're going to pour into each other's lives. We're going to encourage each other and we're going to challenge each other. And although Jesus is the great discipler, we're going to, kind of do our best to help his personality and presence actually go into your life now. And I think um, that basic focus of making disciples as the great aim um, and really trying to get that culture massaged into the church to be someone who is both discipled and pouring into others looks different at different life stages. If you're a you know, busy mom, it looks different at different stages. But you get the idea. Mm-hmm. That intentionality of discipleship is huge. And I think if you are isolated, if you're an attender, if you're an observer, if you're a spectator or a consumer, then I would encourage you to make yourself available for someone to pour into you and don't look for someone who's perfect be specific. What are the specific few things or even one thing that that other person might have that in some vague way they're ahead of you in and and make yourself available to be discipled by them? Also, look to pour into others. Don't wait until you're some kind of perfect, um, mature person. I'm now 43, <laughs> grey hair, second half of life. I feel even less in some ways, you know, the voice of like, you're not that great doesn't often go less it can get bigger as you get older so you have to sort of ignore that and go no i have got things i can encourage others with how can i disciple others like now and i think that basic engine is really important um because it actually is the engine of church planting Mm. more than building an event but it becomes very obvious when you're small Mm. if you're not about disciple making in your heart and you're just trying to make an event happen good luck <laughs> you know that's not gonna that's not really gonna lead anywhere very healthy mm. very good Tom. yeah i think that's great and i think that can um i experience that very much too as well like you say at city church uh, even your own wives both discipled me lydia mm. and uh, josie at different points in my life mm. and um that happened as well what i love about the discipleship thing is that you can like you said tom you can be really intentional about reading a book together or praying or it can just happen at dinner around a dinner table mm. you know with the family there was a family bj moraine we were just always invited to their house for dinner well regularly not always but um just just being <laughs> with around with them with the family and they were she was german so just kind of getting a feel for uh international way of doing things and um and he was scottish yeah so very (laughs) and um so yeah just being 
with other families and chatting and being encouraged and challenged and question, you know, is this, you know, um, I really love that at City. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, if I can just add to that as well, I think there was another spin-off of discipleship was something called EMP, oh, yeah. the uh, early morning prayer or praise time. And uh, that was as a student, always <laughs> such a slog to get up for. And I, I know I often missed it. Um, but then slowly, but surely there were, just built and instilled in me a heart to worship uh, mm. and to pray and to and to grow in in the in the community of other brothers and sisters just pursuing God and mm. and yes it involved getting up early in the morning but the sacrifice uh, just diminished it because the the joy of of meeting with God and worshiping Him uh, just became so ingrained mm. in our hearts and and I, I think learning to worship and enjoy the presence of God uh, is so important to get into our lives um because it's something that we just must maintain throughout our lives and if if we hope to make healthy disciples they they need to learn to enjoy god um it's not about performance it's about enjoying his presence and and growing healthily uh in the love of god Mm. that's so true um roger there just and and what time what you said before just you know if you're a if you're kind of stood at the side watching and thinking oh well one day I'll go off and pioneer something or one day I'll be sent as a church planter, but, but you haven't actually really learned that it's actually, it's all about God. And um, the reason, the reason that we're each fascinated with wanting to, to do this and um, for this to go to the, the different nations that we represent is, is because we're fascinated with God and, and wanting to, um, wanting to know him isn't it that you 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 want to know god so much roger as you're you're saying that you actually want to carry that to to wherever you go it becomes right. a kind of uh, a thing that this is so much about god and so much about getting tuned into who god is and um what his mission is and what's the purpose of of all of us um, back in back in Canterbury? What what are we all here? What are we all what are we all born for? What's the story that God wants to to tell through to our lives? And you don't really tune into that so easily if you're kind of you know there some weeks and not or kind of stood at the side as a an observer or a consumer, as, as you mentioned, Tom. So um, I think just being in an environment where it's all about God and being around other people where they seem to carry that same thing that, yeah, whenever, whenever I'm with them or whenever I see them worshiping or whenever I hear that one praying or whatever it is, that this is just an overflow, that it's all about God. Because I think as we've probably each found out that as it, as it gets tricky, uh, when you go to these these other countries and these other places as it as it gets tricky that you need to know that this is all about god it's not man's idea it's not um that someone has told me or sent me to to go somewhere but it's because it's because of the heartbeat of god that that i'm here and we're each wherever we are i love that mm. great yeah, I mean, I, I think so. My, my answer would be having kind of led the plant here for five years is that I am so glad that what we, you know, what was put into me, we've talked about, yeah, which really is about it's about who you are <laughs> in God before what you do even for God. Um, and the biggest thing I've, I think, yeah, well, I definitely have learned is that 
who you are creates a culture around you that no strategy or structure can beat. You know, you, you may have heard the phrase that culture eats strategy for breakfast or something like that, because who you are imparts something. Um, and I think particularly in the last three or four years, but the whole time I was in Canterbury, Tom, you know, I think you particularly led us into kind of looking into our hearts, into the whole emotional health world in terms of our worship and things. And I think I would have, I would certainly have not been able to carry what God's given us and what's just been thrown at us uh, and been able to sustain joy, even in the midst of difficult times. It wasn't for who we, who, who we are. And that's far from perfect, but yeah, I think I'll just concur. I think before you even talk about any function, just being where you are and the classic phrase is be fully committed to God where you are and those things will bear fruit in the end. Um, so kind of, I guess kind of building on a little bit from that, when it comes to um, a church being building strong then, um, so other than the culture of discipleship, are there any kind of strands within that talking, I guess, more now the practical side of things and what we did in there? Are there any things you look back and think, that kind of culture served us well or actually if we had done that you know so what kind of things can we build into church life that um will build strong for people who either stay or go so who build strong as we've said uh, what are some of the outworkings of that any thoughts i mean again maybe uh, uh again really obvious and it's been alluded to but i would just double click on uh just San Francisco phrase um, would be um, emotional health. Like it, it kind of is so huge. You understanding, you know, I think it was, um, oh man, who's the great reformer apart from Martin Luther, John Calvin, maybe hey, someone like really, you know, kosher <laughs> said that, um, that all true knowledge is knowledge of God and knowledge of self. And I think, <clears throat> you understanding your inner life is it's almost impossible to overstate how incredibly important that is if you ever get called to church plant because the honest truth about church planting is it is it is a in some way it is a tremendous privilege and you feel like man this is amazing and it is also a real pressure cooker it's both and so if you haven't allowed um, the, if you haven't pursued the narrow path, which a lot of people don't, of, of, of allowing God to show you what is actually going on inside you, what I'm feeling, why I'm feeling it, am I sad, mad or glad, that learning to genuinely just do the basics of slowing down enough so you have some awareness of what is going on underneath you. Mm -hmm. uh, Pete Scazzero's stuff has been life-changing for me personally, I think a lot of us. Um, I, I, it, it all tends to go terribly wrong uh, for, when you're in a pressure cooker of church planting. For example, if you're, if you, if you think like church planting is, is glamorous and you, you know, you're like, oh, going to lead something. The honest truth is um, those motives will be exposed. And if your motives are not to some degree, at least in a place of, as, as has been said, love of God and, and I actual, sense of I want to shepherd people sheep that don't know that they're you know far from God and sheep that do I'm actually called to shepherd and love those people loving God and loving the people if that isn't really in your heart and I've got to confess as a younger guy it definitely was a was too small a percentage of my life ego ambition 
a desire to be some, you know, my own wounds from my past that I wasn't aware of needing to be something were the engine, the fuel of the engine. So I would say, if God, if that resonates with you, you think, oh yeah, I'm, I feel God's starting to show me some of those things. That's that's brilliant, whatever. Even if you if you don't leave, but I would just say it is my conviction that in leadership, the number one thing that tends to go wrong is not so much a lack of gifting, or even like a lack of obvious character. You know, some terrible obvious sin. It's often, it's more often than not the subtle area of emotional health that part of character where you're subtly ultimately not Hugh used the phrase he was able to carry things well and you often feel like if you're if you haven't done that in a work your things are just overwhelming and actually then they're, they're not that big a load yet but you're unable to carry it because you've got a limp you're not aware of um and i would just i would just say any kind of pursuit of that emotional health component, I think in the evangelical world nowadays, and particularly in our church tradition, which is pretty like charismatic activist, let's change the world, which I love. Anything that is also balancing that with a little bit more of the contemplative tradition, a little bit more of the, um, you know, the inner life as well as the outer, I think is a really wise <laughs> of your time. Yes, very good. I love this series, though. I think this kind of thing, you know, that you're doing, Hugh, already, mm. it's just amazing to even just get us all together and to give our stories. Mm. It's inspiring. And I remember um, at City, just people coming back. There's that couple at Me in Mexico mm. and people coming and really sharing their story and um, even, you know, sharing the highs and the lows. And, yeah. uh you know, getting ourselves to conferences or mm. having speakers come to church who would just give us a bigger picture of mm. who we are. Okay, we're, we're a church, we're a small church in Lille, but I know for us, like every time we do enough, it's like, okay, we're part of something bigger, mm. you know, and or, you know, meeting, having Zooms like this or just connecting with someone from another church in another country is like, this is, you know, this family is is so wide and so vast and so exciting. Yeah. Um, John Bearden in, in Relation Mission, he's really good at that. Mm. He, he regularly sort of texts us and invites us to go to things. He, he like, A couple of years ago, he messaged me and was like, come to Serbia. And I was like, why would I do that? <laughs> um, but I went. I took a girl from our church and we had just this incredible time and just opened my eyes to mm. another way of worshipping in another language. I had no idea. And... Um, just uh just getting to things like that and obviously it's tricky now but it's still happening mm. we're still doing it we've logged into a serbian thing last week yeah. you know we had no idea what was going on really but <laughs> but it was great god's on the move in serbia yeah. and so if you want to have yeah your mm. eyes opened and your heart and head opened what god potentially could do there's so there's loads of opportunity mm. there happens to be one this saturday isn't there roger yes my love <laughs> oh wait we have be gone it was <laughs> yesterday <laughs> it's recorded no it's the week after oh no it's all gone wrong it was anyway. great yeah <laughs> exposure isn't it i think that exposure to the, the bigger kingdom of god brilliant yeah yeah any yeah, any man. musings kevo um just um off the back of what george was saying um I mean, I think I think this is a, probably a relational mission kind of culture in in a sense. But um, you guys probably felt 
similar, uh, Roger and George, that, that as it came closer to you kind of starting to really push on getting ready to go, that the amount of chances that we got to share in the prayer meeting or on a Sunday or to write a piece for the, the church magazine or just so many, you know, send a video to this. And um, it was a kind of gluttony of um, <laughs> opportunity and exposure. And um, I think that really is, you know, to the to the credit of, of the City Church and um, I think to the credit as well of um, the way that people like Mike Betts want to, to do things where they kind of make much of the small Mm. And um, not just telling stories of the big, but may- making much of the small. Mm. Yeah. Um, I think in terms of a, a local church that wants to start to become, you know, having that in their DNA, then um, just the kind of any scandalous opportunity to, to make much of that is really, really important. And mm. you know, I, know of, I know of people that have gone to other big churches to get ready to be sent really big churches and they just don't get a look in there and they're still they're still there they're still where they are where they went to be sent because it's just not part of the way mm. that things are done and they're doing all kinds of great things <laughs> in those places but um the idea of saying hey we're gonna give huge chunks of our prayer meeting time you know you guys had in Canterbury you had a building project going you had all kinds of different things but to reserve that much time for, for little old us was um, mm-hmm. nothing short of a scandal. So, so well done. <laughs> I think. Great. Uh, I, mean, uh, I, I think, were you going to say something, Tom? Well, no, you, you, you go, I'll go after you. Yeah, that's right. I, I think what I was going to, you know, whether you end up going or not, I think one of the things that stops the church from becoming stagnant and cozy and comfortable is when it's filled with a pioneer heart, which comes from this. I, I would say that summing up what we've talked about, there's the inner life and then there's the exposure to the kingdom life of God, the bigger and the wider. And even if you're called to stay and at Redeemer, we, we talk about pioneers and pillars. I mean, everyone's both, but what we mean by that, you need people to stay forever <laughs> and build and be a core and create this kind of culture we're talking about so that pillars, pioneers who will go will thrive around that. And so I remember, for example, there were people whose whole lives have been in Canterbury where we were, but they were so filled with this big vision, having been exposed to conferences and the nations and trips going to the nations, that when you were around them, you never got a, I just want this and what's now. You got this big kingdom kingdom vision for it. And so I think you need, absolutely need this both and that we're talking about. Um, I think I mean this is where it's a kind of almost to underline what's just been said and I think um, from a leader point of view I remember there being a real shift from like what are you going to celebrate is it just the local or are you going to start to celebrate the the call on every local church to be a multiplying church and I think really specifically some of the specific things that then almost in a good way became automated that meant we became like we are going to care about this and this is going to be a big deal was first of all the leaders going to the places themselves regularly so they're physically for us it was going to Lille it was going to Finland it was going to Colchester because what the leaders care about will leak into the church so that was the first thing like this is 
you've got to physically do that. Then it was like we every every year would have Global Sunday, which was the high, a highlight of the year, and uh, you know it was celebrating our sending capacity, not our seating capacity. And it's like everyone comes back and we celebrate and hear stories. And it's this sense of which you're building into that church. Um, oh, like success, apostolic base, an Ephesians 4 base isn't just seeing its location changed. It's also changing the ends of the earth. That's actually sort of part of what we should be in faith for and seeing before our eyes. Mm. And I, I think the great news is like, you know, you can you can start to automate that and build in rhythms that mean when you do have a big building project or other things that could knock you off, you know, get totally locally focused, you've you've established those big rocks in the bucket that you're going to be committed to whatever happens. So, you know, we would even things like always including or often including reports back from people who had gone um, in our emails uh or in our monthly prayer meetings, or having people skyped into members' evenings who had who had who had gone, um, all these kind of things I think meant that people uh, got a sense of oh that is part of what we're aiming for and like even in like even in uh, not Canterbury San Francisco like we're, we're this small church plant but we have already been starting to send people and we'll use that language it's not that they've left. They've actually been sent by the Spirit of God and they've there was a deposit made for them in them here, which they would attest to, and they're carrying it with them. And so we we will, you know, talk to the church here about these guys and we'll have videos from them saying, keep going, you know, don't lose heart. When people go, it's still a success. We're here now back in England doing this thing with renewed hearts, a bigger vision for the local church, leading better than we would have been if we hadn't been with you. So I'm knowing Hugh, he's totally probably crushing this already in Redeemer because he's so good at this stuff. But I think, I think I just to finish, I was, I was with, a, I was in a, a big church and I remember talking to one of the leaders and I was like, wow, you've got a huge amount of people and lots of them are not going to be here soon because this is the sort of city where people, you know, are sent. You could, you could be sending church, future church planters and kingdom leaders all over the world. How exciting. I remember him saying, we're not thinking about that at all. We're just sort of very sad that we lose so many people. And although I totally emotionally get it, I was like, man, I'm praying for him that he, there's a, almost the switch flips and he goes, no, you can see it negatively or you can see it as this great call, as Hugh so eloquently put, to have, not everyone's going to be a pillar. You know, you've got to get a vision for those, those pioneers as well. I think, how can we send them well and see that's part of our calling? Yeah. Going back to you. Um, yeah, can I just hold you a sec? I'll yeah. come back to you. I know one or some of us needs to leave. Um, I know, George, you'll need to go. So, but thank you. So appreciated. But this is so good. If you guys are happy to carry on for a little bit, that would be yeah, fantastic. Thanks, you. Right. Carry on, Kev. Um, no, just going to say, um, and in, in, again, it goes back to what we were saying right at the beginning, but um, in the. Um, in his book, Global Humility, Andy McCulloch, he's talking about the, because um, this is where it doesn't become just about people and kind of moving moving people around on a map or anything like that. But this is this is about everyone enjoying the move of God, isn't it? This, mm-hmm. this is it. And, 
um, he talks about that, you know, how the move of God is not, it's not a dam, but it's a river. So the, the picture of the move of God is a river. And so often we try and see it more like a dam. It's kind of how can I capture what God is doing and, and kind of block it off and hold it in to here where I am now. And then the, then comes this kind of reluctance. If something springs a leak and it seems to be leaking out, that's almost a failure when actually um, the move of the move of God is a river, isn't it? It's described as, as a river. And um, I think when we're just, when we're more comfortable with that as a river, then we actually, we enjoy more. So I think to be ascending church, you actually get blessed because because it's that river picture not the dam picture mm. yeah, you can't you can't lose in the kingdom of god he sows generously reaps generously you know you your little patch might feel uh, but in terms of the kingdom impact which ultimately is what we're about you, you you can't you can't lose in the things of god and you know i think if you're preaching the bible it's not long until you're stirring people with a kingdom vision who are going to go. And so you're faced with this question whether you're equipping them or not. Um, and so that's what we're trying to do here at Redeemer. It's a mustard seed time for us. But, you know, it grows into this beautiful big bush that, you know, every, the nations come and nest in. Um, and I know that's kind of your guy's heart too. And so as we come to an end, guys, just open. I'd thrown some questions at you before, but open floor. You know, what would you say to people who either will want to go one day or want to stay or people who think, you know, I want to, I want, I want this church to be a, a kingdom Bible spirit filled multiplying church. Um, I mean, you've given us a lot of wisdom already, but any other thoughts you've had um, and then maybe we can pray for each other. If I can kick off, I think being, make sure you're fathered well uh, before you go so that you're fathered well when you go um, to be part of a family of churches that values the apostolic and therefore having that not just as some sort of distant label or vague theological thought that we subscribe to, but actually earthed in, in a, in a fathering relationship with someone who, who comes and that might not necessarily just be one the father kind of special relationship, but multiple fathers who help you lay foundations in what you're doing um, and help keep you accountable, but encourage you. And I think we've, set a culture in relational mission um certainly that i've experienced is of you know there's not there's not a pressure to perform there's not a benchmark it's not mm -hmm. we're going to pull the plug or you know strike you off the list if you're not producing x uh in amount of time because everyone's journey is different and um we have to guard our hearts against comparison um but to that end you know we're, we're all different trees as we're planted you know and different trees bear fruit in different ways at different paces at different rates and go through seasons of life you know there's the springtime there's you know there's the summer autumn winter uh, and it's it's the same in planting a church and um just a final thought um one helpful adage that i was given was uh, enjoy the journey um thanks that if you done something to my eyebrows you no no it's I just, no it's just <laughs> <laughs> i looked up and i thought they were darker i thought you put a filter on them. <laughs> uh, but no it's um just me but what anyway was the um, again it was enjoy the, enjoy the journey enjoy the journey um <laughs> and and that is just to enjoy the the fullness of life and that all all of parts of our life you know from going to the supermarket and meeting mums and dads at the school gates playing sport um, as well as doing the stuff, you know, of, of trying to have a church meeting and Bible study and 
sharing our faith. You know, it's it's all to the glory of God and, and enjoy it all for him. Uh, don't take yourself too seriously. Be fruitful. Yes. Very good. Yeah, I would say um, you don't have to be a rock star. I think what, you know, the emphasis on the inner world is not to paralyze anyone from doing anything. I think my, uh, to be really honest, we're all very normal. In a way, I think we'd all probably say Hugh is probably in some ways the most naturally hardwired for like to be just placed into somewhere and he'll just sort of do well. He'll adapt. He'll make a plan. And so you guys in Redeemer are so well served by him. He's an exceptional leader. Yeah. I won't speak for Roger and Kev. I'll say no, me. I am just yes, not that guy by nature. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that guy. And honestly, when we had this assessment thing, I literally said to the guys, like, I'm really happy for you to fail me. I don't think I should probably church plant humanly. And and but this is what I would say that um God can use anyone. He really, really can. We are so different. And it's part of that joy and that humor side of it that Roger was alluding to. That um I think you know, uh, the biggest thing for me is, is there a grace on someone to do it? Is there a measurable sort of almost like breadcrumb trail of coincidences and things that you can look back on and go, oh, this seemed to happen and this and this. And despite my weaknesses, there was a grace to keep going. There was a grace for a house. There was a grace for the move. There was a grace in my wife. And I would just say, God graces people to do things, listen, that humanly they could not do. Yeah. And what I'm trying to say is that's not a platitude. That's not false humility. I humanly could not do this. And I think Roger and Kev would say that, and Hugh, even Hugh would probably say it as well. So so it's, it's a joy-filled thing I'm trying to say of like that even if you're aware of your weaknesses, it's possible God could call you to do something impossible and you might think, I'm just not like other church planetary people. And that's that's sort of normal and actually um, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it. And particularly if you have done the first bit we've talked about, which is relationship with people who will help you process whether you could potentially um, be hearing God for an invitation to do something. Very good. Um, thank you, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd say just to finish um, that, like, if you look at it from all the different angles of like being sent or sending or supporting someone who's been sent or whatever it is, then you, from any of the angles, you'll never feel ready which Tom's kind of alluding to there as well, that you'll just never feel ready. You'll never feel like maybe all the finances are lined up or whether that's to send or whether that's to, to be sent. Um, you'll never feel that you can kind of almost do without the person that you send or that you can go out and, and make it as, and, and, and do it, even though you don't feel gifted and uh, equipped to do it. And um if, if you're waiting to feel ready, then you'll just wait for a long time. You'll wait to send or you'll wait to be sent. You'll just, you'll just be a long time awaiting. So I, you'll never feel ready, but sometime I think you've got to piece together what Tom's talking about, this kind of evidences of, of grace and, and, of course, the prophetic as well, 
just mm. to um, actually know that there's there's a God moment and everything can look like it's not ready, but there's a God moment and you can end up doing things that you're not actually personally, it's not your personal disposition to to do that, Roger, to, to quit your job and to go, just go to France and start searching for a job. Perhaps, perhaps isn't your natural kind of um, disposition, but that there's a grace window to, to do that. And um, outside of that, you'll never feel ready. Yeah. So you have to just, now's the now's the time and 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 Mm. to do it and i you know just to commend you kev like i said at the beginning i remember lydia and the kids flying you and your father-in-law driving through europe like where are we actually going to live literally when we got there where you know and god worked miraculously and i you know deliberately invited pioneers and I just, I just want to, for a moment, talk about the those who are going to stay. And that's in no way because we don't want people to go. But when people go, we want them to go in friendship, in strong relationship like we have with each other, which we haven't seen each other physically in person, some of us, for a couple of years or whatever it is. And we're close and we, we know we're for each other. But also when we want people to go, we want the, the sending church to be able to continually support, to continually resource but ultimately, if not more so, also to be creating a culture where healthy people are birthed so that they can be sent with all their flaws. Um, and so I remember going back to something you said, Roger, early morning prayer, life group leadership and stepping out in my gifts and serving on a Sunday when it comes to church specific and then there's community things. I think those were three arenas that equipped and enabled me so, so well. We can Week out life group leadership is such a um, encouraging, challenging growth place. Early morning prayer where, where you're deliberately stepping out in your gifts. It doesn't have to be early morning, but that was the context for us. And in a Sunday environment where we are coming thinking, God, what are you saying? Learning to step out in those moments of concern or fear. So, guys, you have served us super. And, and we, could, we could carry on talking for ages. Um, but I think sofas might be getting slightly uncomfortable for many people and, and, and lunch will be calling. So I wonder if we can just pray for a few minutes before we finish. I know, Kevin, you've got to go very soon and others as well. So I wonder if we can, I'm going to just jealously ask you three guys to bless us, pray, pray for Redeemer, that we'll build strong and send well. Um, Tom, I wonder if you pray that we'll build strong. Kev, I wonder if you pray that we would send well. And Roger, I wonder if you would pray that you would that we would have something of a legacy that maybe you know city and other good sending churches are. And then I'm just going to bless you guys if that's okay. Yeah, really great. appreciate you. And Redeemer, if you want to contact these guys or if you're thinking of going, I highly commend these places to you. Tom, kick us off, buddy, please. Father, we want to thank you that we we know that. In the New Testament, there are particular churches like the church in Thessalonica that you say are model churches. They are model churches. You became a model to us and all throughout Asia. And we just want to almost speak that destiny over Redeemer, that it will be a model church. Lord, we, we pray for health. We pray for strength. <clears throat> we pray for a multi-generational family mm. where fathers are free to lead and not feel that their knees are chopped off in an anti-authority age. We pray for spiritual mothers to pour into spiritual daughters uh, with freedom 
and celebration of that calling. We pray for humility and we pray for boldness. We pray for this wonderful mix. We ask for your power, uh, Holy Spirit, to be absolutely tangible on this community. And that I even pray that you will start to accelerate what they're doing and take them through the gears that things like COVID will not mean they're in a um, treading water mindset, but you will start to um, lead them to, to just continue to build really, really strong and see it as such a hugely key thing to do in their lives. It won't be like a church, won't be like a, an additional thing. It will be very central in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Yeah, Father, we pray for Redeemer Church, Lord. We pray for that, uh, that picture of the river, Lord, that they wouldn't feel they need to, to build the dam, build the banks, but actually the, the, the move of God is like a river and that they would get, that they would feel plugged in to the move of God, whether that's through being sent and being kind of taken, carried, carried downstream to, to bear uh, influence and to carry that DNA elsewhere, or whether it's to be uh, ones who are sending and, generously giving away we we pray for a blessing for for all that there would be great joy in the move of god through redeemer church that actually um it just becomes what they do that they're sending it just becomes what they do that the people are having dreams and having prophetic words and just knowing where they should go whether it's for now or whether it's for later but just knowing and um, a people who are living with a future passion, a future sense of, of destiny and purpose, but plugged in to outwork it at Redeemer Church. And I pray for those who are uh, the fathers that are going to, to be there and um, to be the, the, sending, the sending ones. I pray that equally that they would enjoy the move of God, that there would be great um, generosity and great laughter of saying ha ha isn't it isn't it great that we give away isn't it great that we're sending this one isn't it great because we know that god is doing something here we know that god will provide for us we know that god is plugging us in to to something very very exciting here so i just pray for great joy over redeemer church great excitement great um, anticipation and uh, just great, great resolve to say, yes, we we want to be this kind of sending church in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Um, Before you pray, Roger, I think, Kev, you might need to you might need to go. But if you do, bless you. Please give Lydia. Thanks. I'd love to hear Roger's great prayer that he's going to do. <laughs> Pressure, Roger. Let's, let's make it good then. <laughs> Lord Jesus, I pray for Redeemer, Lord, and their legacy. Lord, I pray, thank you of this word, Lord, that it, it would not be just something to aspire to that would be left, as it were, beyond their lifetime, that we've lived a, a life well, but people only really talk about it like in some kind of looking back moment, but the legacy would be lived out in the here and now, Lord Jesus. And that, that would be richly felt and keenly uh, an environment that just keenly promotes uh, pioneers and pillars, encourages, spurs one another on to be living legacies as Paul's intention was to write letters that were not just put in the archives and just put on, put on a bookshelf, but they were to be read in the churches, to be heard, to be discussed, to be, to be lived out, to be living letters. And he endorsed sons in the faith as living letters uh, and I pray that 
those at Redeemer would be living letters of of the love of God and that that is good news to all who will hear uh, and that will result in people being pillars and pioneers uh, to your glory. So Lord Jesus, bless this mighty church and I pray that it will be incredibly fruitful in the here and now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. That was, that was a good prayer. <laughs> Um, and Father, I pray your blessing and your favour and your kingdom advanced over Rog and George and the CDG family, Lear, over Kev and Lydia and the Risen Light family and Helsinki, over Tom and Josie and the Sanctuary Gang, Lords. And we ask you, Father God, that what they have been part of building and seeding elsewhere, that you would do abundantly more than they could ask or imagine where they are now. I ask you, Lord, in a disconnected time, would they know the hand of God, the shadow of God favoring them? As the psalmist would say, surround them with favor as with a shield. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Guys, thank you. Please extend your gratitude to your beautiful wives who, just because of the time zones and practicalities, I, I know would have been able to be and bring so much wisdom and great some great teaching and ideas. Please just thank them. Uh, maybe we'll do another time with just them. I think there'll be so much to glean from that. Um, mm -hmm. God bless you guys. Thank you so much. And hopefully we'll connect with you soon. Bye. Cheers, guys.